0: Hello friends, hope you are doing great. Thank you for joining the Maitri podcast Between Friends, Conversations with Maitri. I, your host Nandini Ray with my production team member Damantiwana, are sending you all a warm welcome. I'm so excited to share this news that we have just completed our season one with 19 episodes are discussing different issues that are related to Maitri's work and matter to our community. You can find all these interesting episodes on SoundCloud, different podcast apps, and on YouTube. Search for My3 Between Friends. Today, we are presenting the first episode of our second season. And in today's episode, we will be focusing on survivor stories. Stories of their journey, pain, resilience, and hope. We have two members from Uniki Bath. Lakshmi and Preeti joining us to discuss these very important issues. Yoni Bath is a women's empowerment platform dedicated to raising awareness about the issues that are impacting the South Asian communities. Both Preeti and Lakshmi think that by sharing survivors' poignant stories, powerful stories, with a larger audience. We can help provide insights to the larger community on issues such as gender inequality, gender violence, and abuse. So Lakshmi and Preeti, welcome, welcome you both to our show. Can you please introduce yourself to our audience and say a few things about YKB Yoni Kibab?
1: Firstly, thank you so much Nandini and to Maitri for giving us this opportunity to share our thoughts on your podcast. I am Preeti Malhotra. I am the director of Yoni Ki Baad Silicon Valley.
2: And I'm Lakshmi Kara, director of operations for YKB Silicon Valley.
1: So Yoni Ki Baad Silicon Valley is part of a non-profit called Ahana.org. Yoni Ki Baad, or we call it YKB, is a nationally recognized and growing collection of authentic, powerful stories written and performed by South Asian women. It is a South Asian adaptation of the vagina monologues, and YKB is the main and featured program of AHANA. And each year, the intimate narratives of YKB shattered the silence around subjects like domestic violence, single motherhood, self-identity, sexual abuse, and much more within the South Asian sociocultural context. In the Silicon Valley, we launched Yoni Ki with our first show in Palo Alto in 2018. And now we continue to grow and build our community in the Bay Area every year. Also, we are supported by AHANA, our amazing nonprofit organization founded in San Diego by Nanda Mehta. AHANA's mission is to create a community of awareness and acceptance, support women at risk, survivors of abuse, and also cultivate a cultural network through art and theater.
0: Wonderful. Great, great information. You know what, Riti, we are doing this episode in hope that we will be able to engage our community members in starting a dialogue about ending victim blaming and holding perpetrators accountable. Also, we want to send a message out to all who are suffering relationship abuse that abuse is never victim's fault. You shouldn't be ashamed of your abuse and you have rights. Everyone has rights and option to have a violence-free and peaceful life through your YKB stories, I hope that we will be able to educate our community members. So I understand that in your journey with YKB, you have come across stories of surviving violence shared by your participants. So can you please share any story where you have seen someone going through the trauma of relationship abuse, but yet, yet didn't give up? probably showed resilience and courage to build their path to self-sufficiency. So can you share any story?
1: Absolutely, Nandini. And I'm also going to let you know before I start that this has some disturbing elements that may trigger some trauma to a survivor of domestic violence. So listener's Mm -hmm. discretion is advised. And this is from one of our sisters that has survived the abuse cycle and is living a wonderful life right now. And here goes summer 2008 i'm finally an independent young woman with a kick-ass job can't believe the and i have become so close i am so lucky to have him around we have the perfect facebook life with an unending set of parties concerts and trips summer 2010 the loved the surprise party i hosted for him today all his close friends and half of the city showed up i had such a great time But something keeps bothering me. He refuses to acknowledge me as his girlfriend in public. Every time I bring it up with Dinesh, he brushes it off saying, let's focus on having fun instead of creating problems. So I let it slide. We've been together for a year. Dinesh now controls everything in my life. My expenses, my car, my social interactions. Our world revolves around his plan, meeting the right people, planning the perfect life and climbing the social ladder. I play along. What choice do I have? Spring 2013. It's been a week since Zanesh has moved in with me. I should be thrilled. But I'm not sure. Especially after last night. It's so difficult for me to even write about it. We were having a silly argument about the remote when he went crazy and slapped me really hard. Did Dinesh really hit me? No, no, my Dinesh cannot hit me. But then he apologized. Of course I had to forgive him. After all, he is going through so much. Fall 2013 I am so tired all the time and it's becoming hard to keep up. Last night, we decided to relax and catch a movie at home. Dinesh just flew into a rage because I couldn't connect a cable to the TV. He shoved me against the wall and punched me in the stomach. Is this what they call domestic violence? Sitting in the bathroom, I look it up online. Wow, I'm a textbook case. How did I let this happen to me? Winter 2013. I don't know what triggers Dinesh's rage anymore. It could be anything, anytime. I am constantly walking on eggshells, trying to protect myself from the next attack. Last night he was in a bad mood after fighting with his parents. He yanked my hair and dragged me to the bedroom. I had come to recognize Dinesh's outbursts, but this time it was different. He closed the door and hit me hard for nearly an hour with his leather slippers. His hands squeezed my throat, I couldn't breathe. Oh my god, I was going to die. I managed to kick Dinesh hard, run out and lock myself in the bathroom, gasping for breath. I lay on the cold floor, shaking for god knows how long, while he kept screaming outside. I looked in the mirror and could not recognize the broken wretch in front of me, covered with bruises, tears streaming down her face. It was at that moment, the fog of fear cleared. Don't give in. Get out. It's over. Winter 2013. I am not going to be another domestic violence statistic. I have been working with an attorney, a shelter, and my company to plot my escape. The hardest part has been lying to my parents that I am okay, but I can't afford distractions. I am focused on my mission to get out, a happy new year it will be. January 2014, today, I confronted Dinesh. I told him to get out of my apartment and out of my life, or I would call the cops. He broke down and pleaded, but I held steadfast. I am so proud of myself. I have done it. Dinesh is out for now. But when will I finally be free? It's been a year since I kicked Dinesh out. I am rebuilding my life with an army of friends, family and counsellors to support me. Dinesh tried very hard to contact me for the first few months. But with legal help? I have kept him at bay. The journey has been tough with post traumatic stress, the depression, and having to start a new life all alone. But the fear is slowly subsiding. The favorite part of my day is waking up and realizing nobody is out to get me and I am safe. Fall 2016. I was at a play today with my friends. We were laughing really hard walking out of the auditorium as the lights came on. I lost my step and bumped into someone. Dinesh, the old terror gripped me for a second. Then I stopped and took a deep breath. It's just a shape, a stranger in the crowd. It doesn't matter. Poof, he's gone. Just like that. I walked over joined my friends and said, Hey guys, where do we go for drinks? Wow,
0: that's an amazing story of survival. What a powerful story you just shared, Preeti. It's it's been amazing.
1: It's been amazing to see the sister's journey through everything and coming out so strong and currently helping other people in similar situations.
0: Thank you so much for sharing this story. I think many listeners out there, if they are suffering and they are, you know, scared that what will happen if I try to break the cycle of abuse, they will have some hope. So thank you so much. You have come across so many stories through these uh, stories. What are your insights about the cycle of violence that survivors face?
2: So, Nandini, thanks for giving us the opportunity again today. And, uh, you know, I think after having spoken to several sisters about their journey and their way back, what we are understanding more and more is that there is clearly a cycle of violence and there are several stages. The first one, uh, I would say, is denial, where you start saying, this is not happening to me. There is no violence and don't even acknowledge that there's violence in your life. So that's step one, denial. The second one is, you know, you start accepting it, but then you move to a phase where things will change, right? Mm. The person will change. He might be behaving like this today, or she might be, be behaving like this today, but things will change, right? Then the hope.
0: And the hope, yeah. Yeah, the uh, abuser will change.
2: Correct. The third yeah. one is where it starts moving into completely, it's my fault. What have I done wrong? How have I triggered the other person? Is it me? That's the crazy one in this situation. The fourth kind of stage we see is, you know, and that's when the first bulb starts coming on saying, I need to leave. Something is wrong with my situation. Not everybody is in this situation. Why am I kind of in this, right? That's the first kind of understanding of something is wrong. The fifth one we see is when, as we call it, shit hits the van. Something happens that's really bad. People get badly beaten up or they break limbs or there's a death threat or there's an attempt made on their life. And that's when kind of the person gets into, oh, my God, now I need to escape the situation, right? There is no way When
0: they get scared for their own life or the lives of their children, probably, right?
2: Correct. And that trigger could be uh, you're scared for your life, you're scared for the life of your children, or it gets to a point where there's no way back. You realize that your life is in danger. Then the next one is really, uh, and that's a situation where I see a lot of people actually make the move of leaving, where, you know, it kind of gets into a crisis mode and they leave. The next stage after they leave is called, uh, I would call it the aftermath, where it kind of sinks in that, oh my God, I'm alone, right? However bad my situation was, I've gotten out and now how do I manage the crisis? So the person's running on adrenaline at that point. The next stage we see is after the crisis is over. They have moved out, they've, they're staying in a shelter or they've gotten out of the situation, they've served an order. That one is the beginning of the survivorship where the depression starts setting in. The crisis is over. The adrenaline is settled down. I think of it a little bit after like somebody passing away. And then when if all your relatives leave the house, then, you know, you're suddenly alone. Then the depression starts sinking in saying, oh, my God, this is reality. The next stage we've seen is really the beginning of recovery. Slowly and steadily rebuilding your life, rebuilding an identity, realizing that there is a path forward.
0: Reclaiming yourself.
2: Reclaiming your life. Correct. And the last one that I see really would be where I call the person to be a survivor, where they're able to manage the situation. They have peace of mind after many, many years, possibly decades. And they're managing their PTSD. You know, the trauma is there, but it's being managed. And that's when I think really we see people coming up to us in YKB because then they really want to give back. They want to help others in the community. They want to share their voice. So yeah, so that's where we see this this cycle playing out.
0: We also see the same cycles when we help our clients. And you have wonderfully described the path of DV survivors, how they transform their pain into power, anguish into action. So I'm sure people who are listening today and who are suffering relationship abuse will get much strength and hope from this discussion that their life is not ending. They have hope, they have future. While I was listening to you, I was thinking that, you know, sometimes some people, they face roadblocks. For some people, it's not very easy to understand that it is okay, I can stay alone. So that kind of fear always let them, um, you know, stop seeking out help or going to the next step. So can you share any story where someone faced roadblocks or barriers in breaking the cycle of abuse? And how did they overcome these barriers? I think we've
2: shared some of the larger issues that come up and how people have overcome them. The first one, I think the largest one we see is the financial constraints, especially that we see in an area like the Bay Area, which is really, really expensive. The first question comes saying, how will I feed myself? How will I feed my child? That's the first situation that prevents... So many women from leaving. We have seen so many sisters who basically get into the situation and when they've broken out, I think one of the things that's really helped them is shelters and support organizations to even figure your path to kind of financial help. So so that's one. The, The second one we've seen, which is a big, big barrier in many cases, has been immigration and people's immigration status. And we've seen stories of immigration status preventing people from running away. If, uh, you know, their children get abused, they get abused and they keep taking it because of their immigration status. Yeah, right? many
0: of our clients, they told us that you know immigration status is uh, used as control mechanism. If you report that abuse, you will be deported, something like that. And an example we have is one of our sisters
2: whose uh, passport was taken away. You know, she couldn't get in touch with her family and she couldn't even think about going back to India because she had no way to get a passport. Because the husband, the first thing he did was take the passport and lock it up. So that's something we definitely see.
1: One thing I wanted to add here is seeking asylum. One of our sisters was forced to flee the homeland when she realized that her life was in danger and her children's life was in danger. Fortunately for her, she had family here in the US and she sought asylum here, worked tirelessly hard to rebuild her life. It took a long time, you know, it was a lot of uncertainty where she wasn't sure that after all those grueling interviews for her and for her children and her extended family here and hopefully everything matched and You know, she even told one of the immigration officers that I am being put through so much and I don't even know if there's light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas my husband was the one who was committing the crime, so to speak, and he gets away scot-free while here I am and I am seeking shelter from you and trying to convince you that this is what I've been through. And if I am deported and forced to go back, I am very certain that uh, I will be killed. But she was fortunate enough that the government did a great job and she is actually living a wonderful life. She has got a job similar to what she used to have in India and she's doing very well for herself. Oh great. Yeah. The other situation that we've seen with some of our sisters is the spouse or partner threatening uh, taking custody of the children. One of them didn't give up. The husband tried to take the children away to India, but she was fortunate enough to have the support of an organization like Maitri, worked with attorneys and other organizations, and she managed to have her children back. And right now, I think the children are permanently with her. She's a single parent now.
0: I think here comes the information part because people should know there are agencies like Maitri. We have five agencies in Santa Clara County DV agency that can help. Those agencies can provide free and confidential help uh, whoever is suffering relationship abuse. And uh, people should know whoever is listening to this show. If you need any information about this agency, please call Maitri Helpline. You can go to Maitri website, my3, Maitri.org, and find information. And uh, whatever your question, whatever state or location you are in, if you want to find the local domestic violence agency's phone number, please contact me. I just wanted to give that information out. Please go on.
2: I think uh, one is definitely a shame and humiliation. Uh, and this is something, Nandini, we've discussed a lot, saying victim shaming and the victims feeling that they are the ones responsible for the violence is one of the biggest problems where people don't go forward and talk. So I would urge... Anybody who is a sister, a brother, a mother, a a friend to kind of reach out and give people support and listen to them and kind of bolster their confidence so they have the confidence to actually get out.
0: We have to end victim blaming. That's the most important thing. And we have to provide non-judgmental support to all survivors out there. We have to trust them.
1: And there is a cultural barrier also, uh, Nandini. Oftentimes women are trying to salvage the relationship because they have grown up with this thing being told to them all the time that the woman is responsible to keep the family together. The woman needs to compromise to stay in the relationship and make it work despite of the situation. And oftentimes the families don't understand that and support them in that.
2: And the last one that I want to end with is a lack of awareness. There's a basic lack of awareness of resources available. I would urge anyone to be in that situation to check online, check on phone numbers, find a way to actually make those calls, check those resources. All the online resources have a a clear exit button so you you can get out. And it need not just be South Asian. It could be any domestic violence organization. Reach out to them. The other thing I'd urge people to think about, and a lot of our sisters have taken advantage of, is company resources. If they're working in a company, a lot of companies have free counseling, free resources available for mental health. So please go ahead and use those because they're a great confidential way when you're at work to actually get help.
0: Yes, information can save someone's life. So it is always good to find information that can help, that can provide right help. So National DV Hotline, National Domestic Violence Hotline, anybody can Google search this number and they can reach out to them, right? It's 24-7. They are open. They can provide help in more than 100 languages. So it is okay to reach out to them. So in our work, we have seen you know many misconceptions and myths in the community about domestic violence. Many times at our resource booth, people come or even educational sessions when we go for presentation, people come and they ask, really, do we have organizations like Tree in the Bay Area? Do you really get calls? South Asians, immigrants here, they're all educated, successful, quote unquote, modern minority type. So do you really get these cases? When we share our helpline statistics and we tell them that domestic violence or violence against women, sexual assault can happen to anyone. It's, it's not that only happening with poor and uneducated classes because we have clients from various socioeconomic educational backgrounds. And some of them are doctors, engineers, earning high-figure salaries. And some of them don't even have full degrees. Some are fluent in English. Some are in a monolingual. Some have no visa status. And some are, they're, they're citizens here. So we have a mixed bag. And it is, it can, domestic violence, violence against women can happen to anybody. So have you come across any such myth or misconception while collecting stories from your YKB sisters?
2: Yeah, and underneath we've come across several and I'll just share a few here. One is the story that this doesn't happen to women who are educated. I myself have come across so many women, as you're saying, who are highly, highly educated, who are victims of domestic violence. The second one is this doesn't happen to people who are placed well financially. Uh, And I want to break this myth as well, that there are people who are from the lowest to the highest strata in society financially, who all are similar victims of domestic violence. So there's no connection with the financial well-being of a person. The third one, and that applies actually very clearly to my three, is there's this misconception that uh, domestic violence happens only to Indians in India, not in the Bay Area. You know, like only educated people come to the Bay Area. They don't get abused. I think three's testimony to the fact that there is need for so many, so many organizations like yourself for this cause. Another one that you just mentioned, Nandini, was also that people can get help only if they're citizens. You know, this is something we've seen with several of our sisters that they applied for support help, they got restraining orders, and they managed to get a lot of help and status, even though they were not citizens. So, you know, they can get help, even yes, if they're of not course. citizens. Yeah. Yes, The other one that uh, I would add is I can't call 911 because my status will be impacted. That's one which also I want to dispel. We have had several cases where people have successfully called the cops and got help. Other one that I'll speak to, and I just spoke to a sister, was uh, if people know that I'm a survivor of violence, I won't get a job. They will think of me as, as less than. So just want to break that. We have seen several, several stories of people who've gone on to get good jobs, to talk about their stories. Domestic violence is such a prevalent situation in the US that now I think very clearly people are open to accepting and driving the confidence of survivors. And the last one I would say, Nandini, is that only people who speak English can get help. And that especially among our Indian community. So I want to share that among South Asians, there is help in different languages. You don't need to speak English to get help.
0: At Maitri, we provide help in so many South Asian languages. If someone is calling us and asking us, can we talk to someone in Hindi or Punjabi or Bengali or whatever the language she wants to talk, we will find ways to connect with the right staff or volunteers who can speak that language.
1: You know, we forget that sometimes women also contribute and are perpetrators of violence against women. For example, one of our sisters, the husband was abusing her And she went up to the mother-in-law to seek help. The mother-in-law reacted and said, oh, this just happens in the early years of marriage as you're adjusting with each other and did not think of it as being anything serious. And that went on for years and years in that marriage until she eventually filed for divorce and got out of that situation because it just wouldn't stop. The extended family used to see that happening and never tried to do anything about it.
0: And always what we see, big responsibility is on victim's shoulder to stop the abuse. Because some survivors, they are told, you know, you can change the situation, have a baby or cook well or listen to your partner or whatever your partner is saying, do this or do that, then abuse will stop. So here comes a victim blaming. People shouldn't say these things because We should acknowledge that abuse is not victim's fault. So whatever that victim is doing cannot help in stopping or ending the abuse. It's perpetrator's fault. It is very important that we should talk about this issue. Other than that, we won't be able to change people's perception. This misconception means we need to break that down. Otherwise, we won't be able to change from the situation where it is violence, abuse are taking place.
2: And Nandini, one last point I want to add is that for some reason, this, there's a myth that this is a women's issue, mm-hmm. uh, when women are just one part of the, the situation, right? It could be men, it could be women, it could be women versus men, men against men. Just labeling this as a women's issue is something which is also a myth or a misconception.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, Matri, we keep saying that it's not women's issue, it's a community issue. And unless community members do something, we won't be able to change the situation. And it's a big misconception that it's a women's issue. If you see the statistics, most of the time women are abused. From that perception, maybe people think that's a women's issue. But it is not. It is a community issue. It is not someone's personal problem. Many times people think, oh, it's someone's personal problem. We shouldn't be talking about this. We shouldn't be discussing this thing. So that's the stigma. That's the taboo. So we have to break that stigma and taboo. So how can we engage community members in preventing violence against women? That's the big question we are now focusing on. At Maitri, we are doing a lot to engage and educate our community towards prevention. What is YKB doing in raising awareness about violence against women?
1: So, um, Nandini, here I'm going to talk about uh, the process of the show, how it Mm -hmm. initially starts. So what we do is we send a call out to perform about four months before the show. Typically, women volunteer on their own to come and share their experience. And once the group comes together, it's a private cohort. It's a closed-door cohort. It's the director and the performers. And it's a very safe space for women where they all support each other. And it's a four-month process where, uh, as the monologues develop, we all develop a very strong bond with each other also. It really becomes a very cathartic process. You gain a wonderful sisterhood for life. And I kind of joke about it. I say it's almost like a free therapy session, even though we are not trying to be therapists. And that is a job best handled by the experts in the field. We cannot take that away from them. And I'll take my own example. When I came to Yoniki Bath in 2013, seeing myself and others share their stories, it takes a lot of courage to perform your story in front of an audience, you know. Wow. Because you come from a place of uh, shame and fear and what will somebody think about me or what will happen to me after I share the story? Are they going to look at me differently? Am I going to be perceived as a weird person, not the regular normal person? So the whole idea and the goal is to address very directly through our monologues the issues that impact women's lives. And uh, right now we're trying to keep it to the South Asian societal context. And sharing these stories of abuse or violence against women, for so long, this whole issue has been conveniently brushed under the carpet. Through our stories, we are hoping to influence a mindset towards understanding and compassion and actually taking action in our society. Great. And women in general also need to support each other, come from a place of understanding. Not a mother telling a daughter, oh, you're in an abusive relationship. No, no, just go back. Try to settle in and figure out how you can adjust he's your husband or he's your partner. Other women who do not understand this would sometimes say, "You know if this woman is in a violent situation, why did she not get out earlier you know yeah, that's that's a big question. People should understand that people should focus on why
0: the perpetrators are abusing, not focus on you know why victims are not leaving. So they yeah. are not living. There could be a thousand reasons. We are not in their shoes. We don't know why they are not living. And it is yeah. dangerous. The statistics show that when women want to leave the abusive situation, it's a really dangerous situation for them. So it is not easy. People, who are not in their shoes, may not understand that it is not easy. Our community should focus on the question why someone is abusing their partners or their family
1: members. Yeah. yeah. And the format of our show is that the monologues are followed by a and That is where we see people being impacted by what we have shared. For an example, I would say once we shared a story of sexual abuse and we had a gentleman in the audience saying, you know what, my sister was sexually abused, but I never really paid too much attention to it. I want to know from you guys how I can support her. So just opening up that dialogue with the audience for progressive action, or maybe there is someone in the audience who is going through a situation like that and has never spoken up and has never got help. So I think if we change a few people's mindset and create action from there, would be wonderful.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah, and Nandini, you know, we at YKB we encourage survivors of violence to come forward to share their stories because. Unless you see role models around you, unless you see people who've gone over the other side, it's very hard to get the confidence to leave, to break that cycle, right? So we encourage as many women to actually, you know, be strong enough to, to share. And we provide the training, the safe space, the infrastructure for you to be able to, because the more women talk about this, I think the more they can help others.
0: Wonderful. And... I'm seeing that YKB is doing a wonderful job. And thank you. Kudos to you, Lakshmi, Priti, and your team for working on this issue. And do you want to share anything else? I think uh, my final
2: thoughts are, let's break the stereotypes together and let's bring the community together. And I'm thankful for partners like Maitri who, uh, you know, we create the awareness, but I think we need, a, a we are basically very, very kind of coexistent with organizations like yourself, which then provide the support.
0: Yeah. As you know, Maitri started in 1991, almost 30 years back. In our work, we have realized that crisis intervention is not enough. We need to focus a lot on prevention. Unless we stop the wounds to happen in the first place, we will keep doing the bandage on the wounds. So it is very important to talk about prevention. So thank you, Preeti and Lakshmi, for this wonderful discussion. Through your YKB stories, you focused on how one can reach to a turning point and finally reclaim their self-identities. That is wonderful. And I hope all our listeners will think about these issues deeply and they will support survivors and they will take part in creating a society where all relationships will thrive on equity, dignity and compassion. Before we part for today, I just want you to keep in mind that if you are abused by someone you trusted, you loved, then it is never your fault and you don't have to suffer in silence. Help us out there, call any agency like Maitri. You are strong enough to break the shackle of abuse and reclaim your self-identity. We are ending this episode with a powerful survivor story to give hope to many out there who are still suffering from relationship abuse. Believe in yourself. You can rise again. Yes, you can do
3: it. My name is Sudhi. I was very young when I got married, but I hoped it would be the fairy tale life that every girl dreams of. I came from a loving home in a small town in North India and believed all marriages were either Made in Heaven or in Bollywood films. My husband was initially very quiet and uncommunicative. But soon the brooding gave way to coldness, humiliation and repeated physical assaults. I never knew what would set him off. A smile at a waiter, a desire to see Shah Rukh Khan's new movie, an extra minute on the phone with my parents, or a mild disagreement over a spontaneous purchase in the grocery store. My in-laws supported his behavior, even instigating him occasionally with complaints about my family. It was ironical how the same man who taunted me repeatedly about my ugliness suspected me of having affairs with all his friends. I was confused and frightened. Should I dress well to make him happy or should I dress to blend in, to make myself invisible? Slowly I lost confidence and started seeing myself through his eyes. Behaving in confusing and contradictory ways, in an attempt to stay safe. My erratic behavior made me a butt of jokes. I became a social recluse. His threats had found their mark. I was convinced he could have me jailed or deported. Most of our friends thought he was a great guy and I was weird. Who would believe me? Bit by bit, he put an end to my interaction with my family and friends and finally stopped me from speaking to my parents. One day he found me chatting with my neighbor. He called me in and beat me senseless. This time my screams were so loud that the neighbors heard and called the police. I was lucky that they came and arrested him. I had nowhere to go, no family in town. So I called Maitri, whose number I found from a list of shelter numbers given to me by the police. I can truly say Maitri gave me new eyes with which to see myself and the world. I learned to realize that the violence was about who he was and not who I was. I learned to think for myself, to believe in myself. Metri taught me life skills, driving lessons, computer classes, a tutorial in understanding and managing my finances. Through them, I filed a petition for my own green card. I started working in the city library and part-time at Macy's. I qualified for an educational loan at Meitri and learned admin skills. I now work as an office manager for a dentist's office. I have friends. I wear what makes me happy. I share a room with another young woman. I own my life. I'm happy.
0: I'm your host, Nandini Ray, signing off today. But we will keep talking about these issues over and over unless we engage all individuals out there in preventing violence against women thank you for supporting us and listening to our podcast keep listening we will come back with a new episode till then stay safe stay happy bye
1: this show is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice always consult an attorney for legal advice views expressed by guests of the radio show are individual opinions and not endorsed by my Agar If you or someone else who is living with domestic violence and domestic violence, please support us from Maitri. Maitri is not a great trust and trust. We are in Hindi, Punjabi, Marathi, Gujarati, and Anya Dhakshin Asian languages. You can call us Monday to Friday 9 to 3 p.m. on 188-862-4874. For after hours, leave voicemail in your language. You can also email us at maitri, m-a-i-t-r-i at maitri.org.